Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. Welcome to the Gospel According to Ryan and Mike, a conversation designed to explore what makes the gospel good news in various books and topics of the Bible. On today's episode, Ryan and Mike will be considering what makes Revelation apocalyptic literature. It's often described as this, but what does that even mean? Is this a style that explores the end of the world? Perhaps it's even an X-Men character. Who knows? Okay, Mike, so let's pick back up and talking about the gospel according to Revelation. We have been exploring basically how to read the book of Revelation so far. And to understand the book of Revelation, you have to understand the plot. You have to understand the parable. But there's another critical part of Revelation to really get the book, and that is understanding the apocalyptic nature of Revelation. Now, that's a word that when I say brings all kinds of ideas to our minds, right? Absolutely. I was an X-Men fan growing up, so whenever I hear about apocalyptic, I always think of apocalypse from X-Men, right? Mm-hmm. And these great visions of destruction and torment and, mm-hmm. and dystopian futures and everything that that entails. Yeah. But to really get revelation, you have to understand it really is an apocalyptic book. Mm-hmm. What does that word really mean? Yeah. Well, it does not mean end times, end of the world, cataclysmic events, like it, it, it thinks. Um, apocalyptic can carry with it several ideas. On one hand, it's a worldview. It's a way of seeing the world through the lens of what God is doing in the world, what God is up to. Um, but when we come and talk about apocalyptic in connection with Revelation specifically and books like Daniel and elements of maybe Ezekiel and Zechariah, Zephaniah, other passages of scripture, we're talking about a particular way of writing, a genre of of writing. And so there are some different things that characterize apocalyptic writing. So let's let's kind of walk through these. It's been helpful for me over the years to, um, to sort of develop this list that helps us analyze and just understand what is apocalyptic writing. Yeah, so before we do that, let, yeah. let, let me also just break that apart because you said something I think really important there that I want to camp out on for a second. So you said apocalyptic can refer to either a worldview mm-hmm. or to a type of literature, correct? Right. Yes. Now, we've already talked about this in a previous discussion that apocalypse comes from the Greek word for revelation. Right, yeah. So in Unveiling. Greek, it is called the apocalypse. I yes. Mean, is how you transliterate that to English. Yes. So literally, of course, it means unveiling. Yeah. But this idea of apocalyptic can either reference a worldview yes. or a type of literature. That's right. So there's a connection here between the two that we're going to explore, but I just mm-hmm. want to make sure that people picked up on that because that distinction is really, really, really important moving on. We'll talk yeah. about the worldview second, but go ahead and tell me a bit more details. What yeah. exactly is an apocalyptic literature? What, yes. what are the characteristics of apocalyptic literature? All right, so the first thing that we want to say about apocalyptic literature is that it is some kind of report of a revelatory experience or experiences like dreams or visions. Um, In fact, if we open up to Revelation 1, we'll see John describes his circumstances on the island of Patmos. He was in the spirit on the Lord's day and he saw, he heard something, he saw something, and you see this vision of the Son of Man. And so throughout Revelation, we get these vision, visionary experiences. So at the maybe broadest level, 
an apocalypse is a record or a report of some sort of revelatory experience like a dream or a vision. All right. Good. So yeah, and, and, and this is this is critical, right? You know, this yeah. is something that all apocalyptic literature has in view is is a vision into the heavenly realm more That's particularly. Right. Yep. Absolutely. So like, you know, Ephesians is a apocalypse into mm-hmm. the heavenly realm for Paul. Yeah. Revelation is an apocalypse for John. The book of Daniel has apocalypses. You know, this apocalyptic vision that you see yeah. is throughout many of the prophets. So the book of Revelation is just one example yep. of an apocalyptic literature within scripture. Right, absolutely. So so he's recording, reporting on these experiences. When you get into the content of that record, of that report, what you'll see is this composition of figurative, symbolic images and scenes. So, you know, series, sequence of, of these images and scenes that are figurative and symbolic in, in their nature, okay? Um, in other words, we, uh, we talked a little bit one time in, in a previous episode about the seven lampstands. Well, you know, so he sees the lampstands, but when it comes to the significance of those lampstands, they're symbolic of another reality, right? So, sure. so uh, Revelation's working on that. So the first is, it's a report of these experiences. It's images and scenes that are symbolic. And then when we think about the way that those uh, images and scenes are described, there's a couple more characteristics. Uh, so we see on one hand, they're, u- they're described in intense, graphic, and visceral language, right? So an example of this that, that always jumps out to me in uh, Revelation 14 describes this blood that's, that's, you know, across the land up to the horse's bridle for um, I forget the the word in however many stadia, but that translates roughly 200 miles, which is yeah. the equivalent of saying from Lafayette, Indiana to Louisville, Kentucky, you have blood four feet high and wide as far as you can see. Um, that's intense language, right? We, we don't, Absolutely, yeah. You, you know, that much blood, that's intense. It's graphic. It just hits you in a very visceral way. Well, that's a characteristic of apocalyptic language. Um the, the the other is yeah and, and you know okay. so on this mic you know there there's a brother here that likes to talk about how many Christians like to read the goody two shoes version of the Bible uh-huh, yeah where you know many Christians like to take out the parts of the Bible that are difficult uh-huh. or hard to grasp yeah. or that challenge our 21st century sensibilities mm-hmm. but Revelation is urging us to get above our chronological arrogance you yeah know, the time in which we live I could say yeah and just really see the intensity of these visions mm-hmm. oftentimes they're going to strike us as violent and as graphic but there are going to be spiritual reasons for this. Yeah. And so that's a part of just taking in the, the full apocalyptic narrative mm-hmm. is really just seeing the intensity of what's going on there. So what's Abs- the fourth? What's the fourth Absolutely. category? Uh, the fourth is, is the scale, right? That it's this epic cosmic scale. So you might think about Revelation 12 when it describes the dragon and his, his tail swept away a third of the stars in the heavens. Um, you know, th- that's, that's not just... Um, a very local, regional scale. That's that's using language to describe the epic, cosmic, heavens and earth kind of scale. So again, that's another characteristic of, of apocalyptic literature, right? And, and, and again, what we're saying is, this is the way, these are characteristics of a particular 
kind of writing that it would contain all these things, right? Report of revelatory experiences like dreams and visions. It's figurative, symbolic images and scenes that's described in intense, graphic, visceral language at an epic cosmic scale. And then the fifth thing, all these are important for understanding what it is, but the fifth point is important because it, it draws our attention to how we interpret all those things. And so the fifth characteristic of apocalyptic literature is that those images, those scenes that are intense and graphic and cosmic and all those things are drawn primarily from the scriptures, which would be the Old Testament and New Testament, the law, the prophets and the writings and the gospel, right? That, that it's that collection of stories, of promises, of poems, of songs, of, of visions and dreams in other books, right? That, that create this overall narrative of what God's doing that this apocalyptic literature is drawing on and, and reusing a lot of the same imagery to make, make its point. Sometimes you'll find um, historical cultural images as well. Like, so in, in the case of Revelation, um, Roman imperial propaganda, the imperial cult, Roman mythology will also inform some of the symbols and images and, and, and scenes. But the primary context, the primary basis is the scriptures themselves. And that's going to be the most important for understanding the message of the book, the, the biggest so what's of the book. The cultural images are going to add color and texture, but it's the scriptures that provide the most significance in terms of meaning and interpretation. So th you're helping us here to understand the nature of apocalyptic literature. If you look to the New Testament, mm -hmm. do we see other examples of apocalyptic literature within the New Testament? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Revelation certainly um, stands apart in that it characterizes the whole work or most of the whole work like Daniel does, even though Daniel has maybe a little bit more narrative in it. But um, if you think even about um, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and, and what Jesus is saying, uh, what's called the Olivet Discourse, where he's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, he'll, he'll draw on... Like Matthew 24. Yeah, yeah Matthew, Matthew 24 and 25, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mark 13, yeah, Luke, Luke 21. These images from Daniel and Ezekiel and so on, you know, the same kind of apocalyptic... Uh, sort of these same characteristics, right? You, you could walk through and, and use, and, and they're going to check these same boxes of, of commonality. Sure, yeah. So th this is, I think, extremely important to understand. We've talked about this before. To read Revelation, you have to read it wisely. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to say this again, you know, we, here we're into, I think, a fifth conversation at this point, and we're still really not getting into the text of Revelation. Yeah. But the reason for that is you have to know how to read Revelation wisely yeah. before you enter into this book. Absolutely. If you try to read a cookbook like a math book, Mm -hmm. Or you try to read a history book like a biology book. Yeah. It's it's not going to serve its purpose. You're just Absolutely. not going to get the purpose of it. Yeah. And likewise with Revelation, if you try to read Revelation as you read Leviticus, or you try to read it like you read the book of Romans, or you yeah. try to read it like you read the book of James or mm -hmm. Philipp, Philemon even, yeah. it's just not going to make any sense how to read this book. But really understanding the narrative nature of the book yeah. and the full apocalyptic literary aspect of the book is really critical. Absolutely. But there's another important part to this. You said earlier, apocalyptic is not just a type of literature. Yeah. It's also a lens or a worldview. Yeah. Well, what do you mean by that? 
Well, it's it's a way of seeing the world, and and the the sh- without going into as much depth as we did on the nature of apocalyptic literature, um, the 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 sort of simplest way to say it is it's a way of seeing God at work in the world, um, and 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 emphasizing that He is the primary actor on the world stage of history, um, and yeah. so apocalyptic worldview sort of cues into that conviction. Absolutely. Yeah. And I want to explain more, more than that for sure, but that's, that's, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this is something I'm really passionate about. Mm -hmm. Something that's really important to me to understand is apocalyptic is what I would call a view of the cosmos. Yeah. I used to talk about worldviews, but Mm -hmm. now I talk about cosmological views. Yeah. Worlds of the cosmos, the the, the cosmos for, for most as English speakers would say it is simply the Greek term for, you know, the, the whole universe. Yeah. And, the scriptures give us not just a view of the world, but they give us a view of the cosmos. Yes. And Revelation is giving us this full, divine, apocalyptic view mm-hmm. of reality. Yes. Here's the connection between the literature and the worldview. The literature is always working in visions of heavenly realities. Mm-hmm. It's always working, as you said, through those figures and those epic and intense narratives drawn from earlier scriptures. Yeah. But always is, is those visions of the heavenly realm. The, the reason for that is, with an apocalyptic cosmos view, is it's taking our perspective off of what's going on down here and makes us realize that there's also a drama unfolding above yeah. in the heavenly realm mm-hmm. that we need to be aware of. Yeah, And so... Paul is really aware of this in books like Ephesians or Colossians. Mm-hmm, you really see that whole apocalyptic worldview of Paul at work mm-hmm. where he's not just thinking about what's going on here on earth, yeah. but he's also thinking into visions of what's going on in heaven. And that's where you said, if you realize that apocalyptic takes us, off, takes us away from our perspective of earth and makes us then think about heaven as well, mm-hmm. we recognize we as people are not in charge of what's going on here on earth, but yeah. ultimately God is the king. Yes. God is the one who reigns. God is the one who is sovereign. And God is the one who is at work through the events of human history. Absolutely. So that's, I think, the whole idea of, an, of the connection between the apocalyptic literature and the whole cosmos view of apocalyptic. Yeah, very, very good. Yeah. That's exactly right. Let, so let me, l- let's 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 illustrate this in Revelation twelve if we can. Um, well, could I, before, go ahead, Mike. Something else first. Go ahead. Before we do that, I want to just share a couple reference points for us because I, you, you know we talk about apocalyptic literature, and even if you think about those five categories or even the first four, right? Um, that's really strange to us, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, we don't just pick up a novel that's recording someone else's dreams and visions. Um, that's all figurative images, uh, that's graphic and cosmic and all those kinds of things, right? There, there's a strangeness to that. And, and so we don't have a perfect equivalent for what apocalyptic literature was in Jesus' day and John's day for our own culture and day to day. So I want to share just a few reference points to maybe help us appreciate how um, apocalyptic literature works and resonates and things like that. The the first is just thinking about our own dreams. Um, If we're in the middle of a dream, um, you know, that's either really good or really weird or really stressful, you can think about times where in one moment you're running for your life, people are chasing you and you're, you're running for your life. The next thing you know, you're on a train 
uh, going about business as normal. And the next thing you know, you're flying and you're on this epic adventure, just flying through the skies, having the time of your life. And in the moment, in the middle of that dream, you think, wow, this is, this is really incredible. I, you know, but then when you wake up, you think I had the strangest dream. Um, so, so that's one entry point for us in thinking about apocalyptic literature or thinking about revelation. Um, in the middle of it, right, there's, there, it has its own internal logic and flow and, and, and everything like that. And it's this, this sequence of dreams and visions that are being recorded. But, but as we approach it coming from the outside, we look at it and it seems so strange and far removed from us. And so, one, if we can just uh, sort of embrace that you know, relationship of our own dreams, that may be a, a, a entry point to help us appreciate revelation. Um, an, another is something like political cartoons, where um, this, this may speak to another aspect of what apocalyptic literature is doing. It's using familiar images that, that point to something else and exaggerating them and sort of blowing them up to share a message or, um, you know, provide some commentary on the way things are. And so political cartoon may be another sort of reference point in our own day to help us appreciate some of what apocalyptic literature is doing. And then the third is just something like science fiction in general. I don't mean just any sci-fi, but particularly like the really smart, um, nerdy sci-fi that really gets, <laughs> you know, very cerebral on you and everything like that. Yeah. Where, where the idea is, you know, with that, with that sci-fi, it's, it's, that that movie or book or whatever is taking you to this very strange context and and uh, there are very strange characters and yet it's it's precisely by being removed into this other situation and engaging it there that you're able to to gain a, a much clearer perspective on your own circumstances and and so that sci-fi is offering a very profound commentary on our own day and our own issues and our own problems and, and all those kinds of things. And so the, the weirdness of apocalyptic literature um, is sort of working on us in some of those ways by drawing on images from the scriptures, as well as some of their own cultural images, revelation and other apocalypses are able to say some remarkable things about God himself and what God is doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also helpful there. And you, you know, just to think through a keyword of what you just said there, but the weirdness. Yeah. Like, you know, dreams I have that are just weird. Sci-fi movies that you watch and 10 minutes in, you're just like, it's weird. Political yeah. cartoons that are weird, et cetera. Um, I, I, th I think a reason for this, going back to what we talked about with the cosmos view, is it's helping us to take our view off of the mundane yes. things going on here on Earth mm -hmm. and really then see that heavenly view of how God is at work. Yes. And and the reason that God is using these weird images and these weird scenes and these weird narratives and these weird symbols is to take us off of what's going on down here and then to see that he is at work above and that's what those visions are doing. Absolutely. Uh, if someone like to illustrate it, I think Revelation 12 yeah. is really the chapter that you could really look at. We're we're going to look at this in our next conversation in a bit more detail. But for example, in Revelation chapter 12 or 7, war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. There was no longer any place for them in heaven. Who is this dragon? Who is Michael? Why are the angels fighting, et cetera? Yeah. I mean, you go through this, it's just weird. But then when you contextualize this 
in harmony with the Old Testament narrative, yeah. you understand God is at work here. Absolutely. God is at work. And that's what the apocalyptic vision is telling us. So yeah. what we're going to do next time is we're going to talk about why Revelation uses this apocalyptic literature. Mm-hmm. Mike, can you just do a quick review for us again? What is apocalyptic literature? Yeah. So it's not simply literature that's about the end times or the end of the world or cataclysmic events, even though it uses that kind of imagery. Um, apocalyptic literature is first, it's a, it's a report of dream and vision experiences. It's composed of figurative, symbolic images and scenes that are described using intense graphic and visceral language and reporting on an epic and cosmic scale and all of that is drawn primarily from the scriptures, um, the law, the prophets, the writings, even the stories of Jesus. Um, and, then, and then secondarily, drawing on historical cultural images like imperial propaganda, imperial cult, Roman mythology, and things like that to fill out the picture and then ultimately say something about what God is doing. Absolutely. And, and that's what I'd like for us to always close with is the good news of this. Mm-hmm. Even though apocalyptic to us is weird and even though it's strange, ultimately apocalyptic literature contains the best of news. Yes. Because what it's doing is it's using these epic visions, these intense visions, these Old Testament symbols, and it's giving them to us in such a powerful way to remind us what's going on down here is not all that is. God is at work above. Yes. And ultimately when you look above, you're... God reigns. Thanks for listening to the Gospel According to podcast. If you have any questions about what you hear today, please send us a voice message. We would really love to hear from you. Next time, Ryan and Mike will be continuing the conversation of seeing Revelation as apocalyptic literature and discussing why this strange but empowering style is used in Scripture. Don't miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, and for all time, your God reigns.